same device? Saying hello. You think your wife can hear you? No. Then why bother? Maybe I'm wrong. You're going to die. Maybe not. Goodbye to you, my trusted friend. A new day is dawning. New ideas, new rules, new management. We've known each other since we were nine Who is this? The Marquis de Gramont. Challenge him to single combat. Win or lose, it's a way out. I don't sit at the table. Your family does. Please pray for me. I was the black sheep of the family. Man has to look his best when it's time to get married. Or buried. I'm going to need a gun. Goodbye, my friend. It's hard to die. If you win, the table will honor its word. We'll have your freedom. Under the old laws, only one can survive. Failure to meet at sunrise will result in execution. Last words, Winston? Just have fun out there. <laughs> I want you to find your peace, but a good death only comes after a good life. You and I left a good life behind a long time ago, my friend. Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Ture and Derek Wong. So this week we're talking about the highly anticipated fourth entry of the John Wick series, aptly titled John Wick Chapter 4. Stuntman and coordinator turned filmmaker Chad Stahelski returns for a fourth time to direct the film. And it stars Keanu Reeves, Ian McShane, Donnie Yen, Bill Skarsgård, Rina Sawayama, Scott Adkins, Shamir Anderson, Hiroyuki Sanada. So the movie opened last week, and it has the highest grossing box office of the John Wick series. And I have to say, I never root for movies to fail, but it's interesting to see that Scream, Creed, and John Wick, their latest entries all have the highest openings of their respective franchises. While both Ant-Man and Shazam are eating shit. <laughs> what do you guys think of that? Superhero fatigue is here or they're just bad movies? I think it's a combination of maybe both. I think it's more that they're not great movies. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. If this was Spider-Man 5 or whatever, people would still yeah. be lined up out the door. Yeah. Like superhero fatigue is set in in that people are now more going to pick and choose which one of these they go watch in the theater. If you're not into that hero, you're not paying that much attention, eh, I'll catch it on Disney+, Plus. I'll catch it at home, whatever, right? Yeah. I think these movies are maybe retreating a little bit to become more and more a province of the fans, but there are a lot of those fans out there, so it's not there like, are. you know, yeah. it's not like that's a minuscule audience in any way. 
I wouldn't put it on superhero fatigue just yet. During the pandemic, the only movies that were doing well were the superhero movies. There were no alternatives out there. But like, you know, the last year or so, the blockbuster movies back. Last year, you had Avatar, Top Gun, lesser extent movies like Everything Everywhere All at Once, RRR. This year, just the last couple of weeks, Scream, John Wick, Creed, those movies coming out to compete and doing really, really well. I think people are just realizing there are good alternatives out there now. And besides, I think Shazam and Ant-Man are like weaker properties to begin with. Yeah. Just heroes that really not too many people are like super jazzed about. And I think those two are the series that most people are like, oh, it feels like doing homework. I got to catch up. And especially with Shazam when it's like part of a dying universe too, or like, you know, they're just rebooting the whole thing and there's no consequences of that movie carrying over to the new James Gunn slate. I think that's like a big part of it too. There's something they said recently. It seems like they're kind of slowing down on like the Disney Plus shows. They're reconsidering like how many of those they're going to release. They do recognize there is some sort of that fatigue out there and and maybe it will help that there's not so many shows and then maybe it's only movies that we're going to see from now on. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's a smart move for them to just dial it back a little bit. Can you repeat that? Doug? So it seems like a lot of reports lately or rumors that some of these Disney Plus shows, there might be a pause on some of these or maybe they'll come out a little bit later, like the Echo show and the Agatha Harkness show. And some of those shows seem to be potentially pushed back a little bit further or not happening at all we don't know yet they're turning uh armor wars into a movie and turning armor wars into a movie into a show oh yeah nice like the only thing really guaranteed i think that's coming out we know that's coming out soon is loki other than that i don't know if any of the other disney plus shows that they've already been talking about are coming out this year anymore mm. so there is conscious effort to slow down just a little bit yeah you don't want to completely drive the brand into the ground right like, yeah oversaturating the marketplace which it feels a little bit like they've done Here's the thing. If they could keep the quality up, I don't think it matters how many of these things they put out, right? Because yeah. Yeah. I think people liked Ant-Man 1 and 2 mostly, and people liked Shazam 1. I thought that one did pretty well as well. So, I mean, I think it's just that these particular entries just didn't work out well, and people heard the, the word of mouth and were like, I'm just not going to rush out and see this bad movie. Yeah. I think Guardians 3 is going to knock it out of the park. There's no way it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, I think people are really excited for that one. But anyway, we're talking John Wick tonight. So uh, how are your screening experiences? When did you guys go see this? just saw this over the weekend. Kind of went sort of the middle of the day so I could free up the evenings to do other things. It was reasonably packed. Mm -hmm. Considering the time of day, it was not a bad crowd. Yeah, I'd say the same. I went on like a Friday afternoon. It wasn't empty, but it wasn't completely full. Yeah. It was nice to see with the crowd. Yeah, I went for an evening show and jam-packed. Completely packed. Terrible crowd, though. Was no hooting, no hollering. It sucked, actually. <laughs> Mine too, yeah. I need to go and see it with people who are like actually excited about this stuff, because I feel like I was the only one emoting at all at any of the stuff happening on screen. And I think the communal experience probably makes this movie, like, this already good movie even better. You know what I mean? I mean, let's talk a little bit about the franchise as a whole. What are your opinions of... This whole franchise, like one through three at least. Uh, I love them. I think they're part of the modern action, action canon. canon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think the series does have its haters with its backlash against it. There's a lot of people who are, I don't know, anti the CGI blood. They're pro-squib. They 
think that the gun kata stuff is like annoying or goofy, but um, those people are wrong. These movies all rock. They're all good. <laughs> so I don't know. Like all these movies are really fucking cool. Um, I think the third one, uh, maybe you're going to start to get a little bit of John Wick fatigue on that one. That might be the weakest entry. I think some of the lore and plot digressions got a little confusing, but I think they brought it back to a very strong conclusion to the series so far with four. So these movies are all good. Well, what do you guys think? I generally agree. I do love this series. I love the first John Wick. I think when it comes to important, pivotal action movies of the last maybe decade, that's definitely somewhere on the top of the list. Yeah. I think that two and three, not to say that they're like diminishing returns, but... You can say diminishing returns. You can say, but they're still great. I think there are great action set pieces in both those, but I still think I like... Before seeing this movie, and I'm not saying that it is, but before seeing this movie, I think John Wick 1 was still my favorite Mm. when it came to like setting up this really cool lore and like being something like new and refreshing in my mind. Maybe some of the set pieces were better in 2 and 3, but I think it's a cohesive whole, like I still like 1 the most. I do think that the lore gets a little heavy in 2 and even heavier in 3 to the point where like sometimes I look back at those movies. It is a little hard to rewatch some of those in its in entirety sometimes uh, because mm. of those elements. I do think that when you talk about like American movie franchises and especially like action franchises, this is kind of the one I think about near the top in the last, I say, decade. Yeah, for sure. I would say I'm a big fan of two i really like two Mm -hmm. because i think it really extrapolates the mythology to like a healthy balance between one and three where you know one was really good it was a big surprise that came out and took the audience by storm this little action movie that came out of nowhere i mean i don't know if you guys know this but john wick one was originally a direct-to-dvd movie and it was titled scorn Mm. and it's so funny because Keanu Reeves, throughout the whole production, people are like, oh, it's called Scorn. And he's like, no, it's just fucking John Wick. Fuck you guys. He would refuse to call the movie by its actual name. And then by the end, John Wick just stuck to the title, and then it just became John Wick. I think it's really funny because I think Scorn is a terrible name for... <laughs> Can you imagine Scorn Chapter 2 or like 3 or 4? It's terrible. Scorn sounds like a direct-to-DVD movie. It really does, right? <laughs> it really does. I think 2 really settled into the aesthetic that really carried through three and four i think one is still like trying to find its footing of what it wants to be just with two the whole high table mythology and then the colors of the movie and like the final act stuff in the museum is just really indicative of what the john wick franchise is and i do think three is probably the weakest i think it peaks really early with a lot of the action set pieces there with the knife throwing stuff in the antique shop, the fight against the giant, the horse stable stuff. And then by the time it gets to like the Halle Berry portion of the movie, it kind of peters out a little bit. And then it picks up a little bit towards the end with, you know, the actors from the raid and then that final fight there. But it's a little uneven and, mm-hmm. and it gets a little bogged down by the mythology. I'm glad to see it back for a fourth chapter. And I really, really did like this. I think. It's probably the best of the four. I don't know if you guys think that, but... Okay. I guess that's Jeff's opinion. Mir, what do you think? I very much liked this one. I don't think it's the best of the four. I think it continues 
the trend of two, three, four of having ever better set pieces and being able to go bigger and bigger. But I'm not sure overall if I like it the best of all of them, even though it has some incredible stuff that I haven't seen in the other John Wick movies. There's also some things where you go, okay, I have seen this before and it is getting a little old. There is a bit of that mm. too. Probably not the best overall, but very good. I'd say probably, if it's not the best, maybe second best, I might go two for one, three maybe? I don't know. What about you, Derek? I will say that I may be, I don't know. After hearing Amir, I'm not too sure. I may be the coolest out of all of us on this movie. I uh. think the highs of this movie are probably some of the best that John Wick has been. I think when it comes to action, this is the best. There are amazing set pieces, uh, specifically thinking about the Osaka Continental, I think is great. And I think the final set piece in France is great. And to speak to those a little bit, I think they set something up in three, what you were talking about, Jeff, the nitro to the horse to the, you know, whatever, like that set piece after set piece after set piece cohesively into one giant set piece seemed like a precursor to like what they were trying to do in four. And like a four, I think, blows it out of the water in a lot of regards. I think so, too. But I will also say that I think there are parts where I was just extremely bored with it. It goes back to some of the lore stuff. I was getting a little sleepy in the middle of this movie. Like, I think after the Osaka Continental gets a little weak, I was just like, uh, I need some action here. And even this piece with Scott Atkins' killer, I thought was pretty good. But even some of that, it doesn't reach the heights of best stuff in like two or three. So that's why I think the highs of this are some of the best, but even some of the lows in this, I think, are as bad as three. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter blowing this one up and saying, like, it's the best action movie and, like, it's perfect. I honestly don't think it's anywhere near perfect. I'm sorry to say that. I don't disagree. I think there are some pacing issues where it's very, very uneven. It gets bogged down by the mythology and, like, you know, the first act, I think the Osaka Continental stuff is really fucking fun yeah it's fantastic but there's a lot of like finagling getting bill skarsgård's character into the story mm -hmm. and then setting up shamir anderson's tracker character yeah. really like getting bogged down by the assassin mythos that really was indicative of the problems of chapter three right but when you say the final set piece i know you said like they all link together but it's not like 15, 20 minutes. It's no. like an hour and 15 minutes of some of the most insane batshit action you've ever seen in your life. And I think that just puts it over everything else in this series for me. That last just stretch of like an hour to an hour 15 where he's just going through the Paris gauntlet all the way up to Sacre Coeur with the yeah. pistols at Dawn duel. It's phenomenal. Yeah. I haven't felt anything like that since, I don't know, like The Raid or Mad Max Fury Road or like even The Matrix Reloaded, you know? It's just that good. Yeah, I don't disagree. We'll call it the France stuff, right? Like that's yeah. all phenomenal and like I said, is I think some of the best stuff we've seen in this series. Mm -hmm. It's just for me, the lows are just so boring that I was just like, this it's is- not that boring. It was really boring to me. I'm sorry. Really? <laughs> yes. Interesting. The stuff with the marquee doesn't really work for me. Oh, interesting. I like the marquee. No. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't work for me. Like, yeah, getting to know the tracker was just like... I think it lets a little steam out of the movie, but I yeah. did like Shamir Anderson by the me end. Too. I think he did mm -hmm. a good job. And 
that's like one part of the mythology that I actually really liked. This tracker character that you don't really know anything about, where he's kind of helping John Wick, but only to inflate his bounty is such a cool idea. Mm-hmm. It's just really neat. I like that a lot. So this movie just picks up right where three leaves off and the price on John Wick's head is increasing. And then he goes back to kill the elder, which is like the guy above the high table, which is more stuff that's just whatever to me. I mean, it's not even the same elder. Yeah, as that shit was well, just he makes like, a comment about it. Yeah, They just waved it away. As, I killed the last elder. I'm the new guy. And then fucking John Wick kills him. So John Wick's a new elder. <laughs> the one good thing about that whole beginning sequence is the Lawrence of Arabia homage where Lawrence Fishburne's Bowery King, he blows out the match and it match cuts into the sunrise in the desert, which is straight from Lawrence of Arabia, which I think is really, really cool. There are a lot of little homages in this that I really fucking liked. So the thing about this movie that I really, really also enjoyed was its really diverse cast of characters. I know you don't like Bill Skarsgård, but I think John Wick, the entire series, is very good at being like an equal opportunity employer. Like, you got Keanu Reeves, big name movie stars, Halle Berry's in it. You got character actors, you got models, you got singers, you got direct-to-DVD action stars. I think this is probably the best cast that we've gotten. I would agree. I like everyone in this. I like Scott Adkins in his fat suit. (laughs) Unrecognizable. I like Rina Sawayama. She's really great in this as the Continental Concierge's daughter. Dude, she's excellent. She's excellent. But I gotta say, Donnie Yen fucking amazing yeah probably the best antagonist not maybe even the series but like one of the best action antagonists maybe of all time he's just so good and so cool in this movie and like he has depth to the character and this friendship that he has with john wick that turns into his rivalry it's so fucking good blind swordsman is that to each yeah, yeah can he like not be to... blind in any american movies <laughs> 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 one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So apparently Donnie Yen had like a bunch of notes for not only this, but Rogue One as well, where they gave him like a lot of stereotypical Asian traits that he did not like and he changed during production. Rogue One, his character didn't really have that much humor or like one-liners. He changed that up a little bit. And then in this one, they gave him like a very stereotypical chinese mandarin collar outfit and he's like i don't want to do that shit so they give him a lot of leeway in like crafting his own character and his Mm -hmm. backstory and stuff so i found that that's pretty cool pretty neat yeah i really like this cast uh rest in peace lance reddick yeah yeah Yeah, i was really bummed that he passed away like it was so sudden too he was only 60 he's just got like instant gravitas and i really really like him in all the roles that he's taken over the years a big fan of Fringe. He was such a huge part of Fringe. He was in Lost. He wasn't in John Wick 1, right? He was in 2, 3, and 4. What? No, he's in 1. No, he's in was one. he in 1? One? Yeah, he's in 1. Oh, he is in 1. He is 1. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been rewatched 1 in a while. Nice to see that the movie was dedicated to him. I mean, if we're going to evaluate his character like in this <laughs> in this particular movie... He does nothing in this movie except die. It's kind of sad. Like, I wish he had a yeah. little bit to do before he died, you know? Like, it's fine that you killed him. Like, yeah. I'm totally fine with it. It felt like he really had nothing to do in this movie. And like, he doesn't even have any interaction with John Wick. It's yeah. stank. It's not even a real particularly cool death. He, like, yeah. dies for Winston to live? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even that much in Winston's corner. Like, 
I don't know. Fuck that, dude. I thought that stank. <laughs> I actually didn't really like the way he went out here. That sucked. Especially after he was such a great part of three. Yeah. yeah. Helping John fight against the fucking yeah. the armored goons from the high table. Like, that shit is so cool. And then for him to go out like that, fuck, it stinks, man. I know they didn't know, but it feels like they did it because he had died and like, oh, shit. Let's, like, write him out real quick with, like, a lame death. That stank. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously not what happened, but it does yeah. feel no, that not. way. Like, they yeah. couldn't film something yeah, for like, him. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Let him fucking do something, not just get shot in the heart. He got, like, fucking fridged for Winston or something. Like, it's yeah. fucking weird, dude. Yeah. Did you say The Wire, too? I feel like you didn't even oh, mention yeah, The yeah, Wire. Oh, yeah, yeah, The Wire. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was Cedric Daniels of The Wire. Yeah. If we're going to get into some of the nitpicky, but also, like, just smaller details, for them to say, like, oh, we're going to get rid of the Continental and then blow it up, but then at the end of the movie, he has it back. It just feels a lot of the things that they choose to do in this movie are, like, trying to set up more movies, and I don't always love that feeling. I think that was one of my big problems with, like, 3, having John get shot off a roof at the end of it and Kevin still survive just felt like setting up for more movies. And one of my biggest problems with the marquee character is that I think there's like a line about he represents the high table, but he's still not the high table. When you establish that, I'm just like, oh, okay, so this is not the end. This doesn't feel like any kind of end. This just feels like another goon. As much as I love this series, I think there needs to be an end. I would love to maybe see John Wick 5 maybe just be the end of John Wick. I'm kind of with you in that the marquee in this movie does feel a little bit of a retread of the brother from John Wick 2, right? Mm-hmm. He's like the douchey European high table member who's out to get John. Yeah. Um, he does feel a little bit like a retread there. But I'll go the other way from you, Derek, because maybe I'm just naive. But I thought they actually did bring the story to a conclusion. And I think that redeemed the movie a lot for me. I think maybe that's the difference between us is that you don't believe that it's actually the end. And so you're not yeah. giving them that credit. But when I saw the end of this movie, I'm like, oh, shit, they did it. Clap it up for that. Go see the movie because we're about to spoil the whole thing. (laughs) So John Wick dies at the end of this movie. (laughs) Or does he? Uh, Or does he? (laughs) Right. So the problem is I think creatively they intended it to be an end. But the movie's done so goddamn well that now they're like, uh, maybe it wasn't the end. (laughs) It's like, all right. Well, so apparently this was supposed to be four and five. And mm-hmm. then they combined it into four, and now that it's done so well, they're like, okay, maybe we should bring it back for five, and I don't think that they should. I think the John Wick story is complete. I think it's a great ending for the character. Yeah, this was a great ending. It was they perfect. don't need to fuck with it. I think they nailed it. It'd be very, very shitty to bring him back after they did such a great job and made the frankly bold move of ending this great action franchise on a high note. Yeah. I guess for me, it's, I just don't believe it. I don't believe this is the end. If it were really the end of it, this is just how like our, I think, movies are now. Like It's going to be marketed that way. The audience has to be primed in a way, I think, now, you know, the way we watch mm. movies. If this was really the end, they would have been like, this is it. This is the end of the John Wick chapter. It just feels so much. I don't know. I can't believe it. But if you listen to the interviews with Keanu Reeves post-release of the movie where he's talking about spoilers and stuff, he's like... I believe in the finality of the movie. I believe that the themes of this movie are about death, finding John Wick's peace, and, you know, just moving on from this. And I want to believe that he wants to stick to his guns and he doesn't want to come back. And I think mm-hmm. Chad Stahelski is probably the same way. I don't know why they announced five. I don't know what they're going to do with it. It's too early to tell. Having this actually be the end 
rinses off a lot of the problems I could have had with this movie, right? The exhaustion, yeah. this, the, that. I think it washes away a lot of the problems by them having that, like, definitive final ending, right? It thematically just wraps everything up really nicely. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It would be a shame to bring them back, but I think it's going to be hard to resist. I think they have fun doing it, frankly, and it makes a shit ton mm-hmm. of money. So I think it's going to be hard yeah, to not do it again, right? So. It'd be easier if, like, they hated each other or, like, I don't know, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, Keanu Reeves is, like, a you know, if he's, like, a famously difficult actor to work with, like, oh, Keanu Reeves, that giant dickhead, never working with him <laughs> again. But unfortunately, the opposite is true. Apparently, he's a total sweetheart. So yeah. um, <laughs> I think, yeah, it's going to be tough for them to resist that lore, Derek. I'm with you on that one. But I think I can salvage John Wick 5 for you right now. We're going to do it. Um, and here's how. John Wick 5 is Constantine 2. <laughs> and is John Wick in hell. Boom. <laughs> that would be pretty sick, actually. Fighting off all the people he's killed over the last four movies. I also think the spin-off ideas are kind of bad. I don't really give a shit about Winston and the Continental and the prequel yeah. stuff. Anna de Armas as the ballerina, which they recast to. Wait, what did they recast with the ballerina? The ballerina from 3. She's no longer in it, or oh, she's the recast. It's a different right. actress. Yeah, 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 she's the recast. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, whatever. I think that's fine. To be honest, I don't think any of the mythology stuff works without Keanu Reeves, John Wick mm-hmm. as like a grounding Anchoring presence. It? Yeah, yeah. I don't think it works. And also, it kind of sucks that they announced all these spinoffs when this movie set up a perfect one that I would actually want to see, which is Rina Sawayama's Akira versus Donnie Yen. I will watch a million fucking movies with Donnie Yen's Kane. I don't give a shit. He's just so fucking cool. Okay, we haven't even talked about, like, all the cool action set pieces, and I do really yeah, want to get to will, that. we will, we will. But, I mean, then we have to now, like, talk about there is a post credit scene, right? Do you guys stick around for that? I didn't, because I was like, you know what? It's not a Marvel movie. I'm fucking safe. <laughs> I'm not, like, chained to my seat after this fucking movie. I'm going to leave. Well, I guess I was an idiot, because, of course, there was a post credit sequence. So fuck me, right? Do these movies do that? Like, is this the first one of them to do it? I don't think the John Wick movies do post-credit shit. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think you're right. I think yeah. this is the first one like, to do it. A lot of people in my theater stayed seated like fucking sheep, fucking lemmings. And guess what? They were right now was wrong. Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> I am now in the habit of every time a movie ends, I pull my phone out. And I like Google. And you Google if is there a post credit scene? That's yeah. smart. Yeah, it is, but fuck that. That's like the curse of the fucking Marvel. Yeah, that's movies, what right? happens now, right? Yeah. That's yeah. evil. That's the habit. Mm-hmm. We live in a fallen society. That's fucked up. So to describe the post credit scene, we learn about Donnie Yen's daughter throughout this movie, right? And like, you know, that's kind of his motivation for being the quote unquote antagonist of this movie. Yeah, I mean to explain it further, it's like John Wick goes through this whole journey to challenge Bill Skarsgard's marquee in a Pistols at Dawn duel, just to be free from the high table. And Bill Skarsgård's marquee is kind of a scummy dude, so he opts to fight through proxy. So he blackmails Donnie Yen's Kane, who's John Wick's friend, into dueling John Wick for him, and he holds the safety of Donnie Yen's daughter over his head to blackmail him into fighting John Wick. And that's basically what it is. Okay, so go on, the post credit scene. Well, we also have to explain that they are friends, but then they're also friends with the Osaka Continentals manager, right? Hiro Kinisana's character. And then his daughter is the concierge for that. And one of the action set pieces is a Hiroyuki Sonata versus Donnie Yen, where Donnie Yen has to kill 
Hiroyuki Sonata's character. And the post-credit scene is Donnie Yen is going to finally visit his daughter, which he's kind of estranged because he wants to keep her safe. He's trying to visit her and Hiroyuki Sonata's daughter, Akira, Akira is going to intercept Donnie Yen and try to kill him. And it cuts the black. I'm curious. So do you think this is setting up a spinoff or do you think this is setting up a potential into a John Wick 5? Well, you can't have a 5 and not have John Wick in it and call it John Wick, right? Yeah. I don't know. I think it just might be a little fun tease. I don't, maybe they're not even setting up a spinoff. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be kind of a waste because I like both of those characters a lot. And I think that's a cool premise for a movie. But I don't know. I honestly have no idea what to expect because they have the ballerina movie in the chamber and then that Continental spinoff, the miniseries. So I don't know if they're actually going to do this other thing with Donnie Yen's Kane and Rina Sawayama. I'm not sure. Me, I read the movie as John Wick's not really dead. He's probably like faking his death or whatever. This is maybe like he's going to interject and be like, hey, we need to work together to like actually finally take down the high table, which is something I feel like they've been promising since two or three. And like it's been kind of a little bit frustrating that it hasn't actually happened. So I don't know. Like that's the finality I think I want. The high table's always been like kind of a MacGuffin where I give zero shits about it, whether that story concludes or not. I buy the finality of this movie, and I would be a little bummed out if they walked it back. I'm going to be honest. I agree completely. I think that having this actually be the end is really powerful. And like, if this fourth movie is about anything, it's about, you know, the futility of violence, the futility of this life and being dragged back into this kind of killing as John is in one. You know, it makes you think all the way back to that. And it's like, oh, that was the irrevocable step. He should have just stayed away. He did the Mm -hmm. thing that. No one else in this life is able to do, which is to get out. And then he was mm-hmm. unable to keep himself out. Through this circumstance, he was unable to stop himself from, like Bugs Bunny, going back to the old me. Yeah. And because of that, he was always going to be damned after that. That's ruined if you bring him back to, like, heroically destroy the high table and the institution of, you know, gothic American assassinations or whatever. It doesn't feel final to me because his goal isn't to escape the high table. His goal has been the last couple of movies to actually kill the high table. And he actually hasn't done that. I don't think so. I think he was trying to get away from the high table in three until- Two might have been trying to set up that, right? He just wants out. One and two, I feel like he just wanted out. But like, I think three was that turn where he wants revenge. I think that is his motivation. This doesn't really feel like that to me. Escaping the high table is not the same as killing the high table. Yeah, he's definitely in this movie driven by, like, I'm going to kill them all. But I think he only wants to kill them all because they want to kill him. If they were like, oh, we're, like, rescinding the 20 or $60 million bounty, whatever the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. We're rescinding the bounty. No one go after John Wick. I know he killed a million of our guys, but, like, whatever it is, what it is, that's kind of his thing. <laughs> like, it's cool. I-, I don't think he'd still be gunning for the high table if they left him alone. Yeah, they just won't leave him alone. Yeah, that's a good point. Right? That potentially is a good point, yeah. I think he's been turned into this rogue weapon because of circumstance, but I don't think, you know, he's, like, ideologically opposed. He's not like, oh, assassination is bad and I need to kill the high table because we've all been sinning this whole time. Like, no, Mm -hmm. he's just a reactive weapon. Let's be honest. The high table stuff is just an excuse to get from one action set piece to another. Yeah. Yeah. Have we ever seen these assassins assassinate anyone besides each other? (laughs) 
<laughs> they don't even fucking assassinate like real people. They're always just killing each other, right? That's a very good point. I respect point. that. I respect that. That's a very good point. Although, in the second one, when John goes to Rome, the yeah. manager of the Rome Continental is like, uh, are you here to kill the Pope? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is such an insane fucking line. But I love it because it does remind you that, oh, yeah, occasionally they do kill people outside their little world. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right, Jeff. It's totally like gang warfare, this completely insular, isolated thing that's like separate from the rest of society. It's not even clear. Like, is it a society of assassins or is it a high table of different crime families? Because it seems to be both, right? Because, oh, really? Yeah. In this one, he can't duel the Marquis. Because he's technically not a member of the high table. He has no family. He renounced his Roma family in three, remember? Mm -hmm. So he has to get back into the good graces of his family in this one. And they're like the crime family in Romania. So he has to like be reinitiated into his crime family. And they make him go kill Scott Atkins' character. So that's what that is. So... I don't think those people are assassins. I think they're just fucking gangsters or whatever, right? Interesting. I assumed everyone was an assassin. I thought it was all assassins <laughs> all the way down. I think most of like the main characters, all the people that he's fighting, maybe they're assassins. I don't know. Like Common's character in the second one. I mean, even think about the first one, right? They all know who John Wick is. Yeah, yeah, Like yeah. the antagonists of that know who John Wick is. It seemed to be part of the society, but like they definitely didn't feel like assassins. They weren't like a family of assassins. Right, they're just like criminals. a bunch of They were like, yeah, criminals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a gang. Right? Okay, so, all right, fair point. I don't think it matters. It doesn't matter. It doesn't I think matter. it's it all just fucking <laughs> I literally never thought about it before you asked that question. Yeah. It's goofy, it's fun, it sets up all the sick action, that's all that really matters. Let's get into some of this sick action then. <laughs> I'm curious to know, like, what was your favorite action set piece of this? In this movie? Yeah, in this movie. I would love to know. Oh, hands down, Dragon's Breath Hotline Miami. Oh yes. my. Absolutely. Yeah, I would give you that one too. It is so fucking cool. Yeah. So it's this whole top-down sequence, like... That video game, Hotline Miami, if you guys have ever played it, it's like a top-down shooter. And he's using this Dragon's Breath shotgun, which peppers these dudes and lights them on fire at the same time. So when all the goons were getting ready and they were testing the dragon's fire on, like, the mannequins and stuff, it's like, John Wick is definitely using that shit against you, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's a terrible idea. It's so fucking cool. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, And I think there's, like potential for it to be muddled and confusing but this action set piece like every other one in this movie crystal fucking clear and choreographed by whoever the stunt coordinators are that i know they have a lot by chad stahelski himself and then dan lauston's like photography everything's so clear legible and the takes are longer there aren't that many cuts it's great all the yeah. action in this movie is just fucking fantastic it's so fucking good do you guys agree, though? No, that's, I absolutely agree. This was one. my favorite. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a next level thing. I'd never seen anything like it. Yeah. Absolutely worth the price of admission alone. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. I think even this, you know, we've seen plenty of overhead action sequences panning over tops of walls and stuff, and you're kind of seeing it almost like a floor plan view. But I think this takes it to a different level where even the camera, like, pivots really interestingly to overhead to then medium shots to like wide shots and it, it's all like one take it's really interesting yeah i think the overhead stuff is mostly used for like establishing shots in action movies mm -hmm. where they go above the action and just give you like a lay of the land on what's going on yeah but i've never seen anything like actually stay 
in that perspective and go through the action that way yeah. and commit yeah. to that top-down bird's eye view. It's really fucking cool. Yeah, it's really cool. It's a drone, right? I guess That's so. What I was thinking too. It must be like an open set with a drone on top or yeah, something. I, I think guess. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's See, so that's cool. a cool use of a drone, right? But yeah, even just the effect of the gun when it shoots out of the muzzle, it, it looks so cool. It's really cool. I mean, that's just the middle of that whole back half of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. I fucking love the Arc de Triomphe set piece too, where he's just tossing dudes into like speeding cars. Yeah. I think that's really fucking great too. Someone on Twitter was like, every goon in John Wick is like, oh shit, he's reloading. Here's my chance. But you guys don't realize how good John Wick is at reloading. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I do like this whole Arctic Triumph sequence. Although it's not as good as the Hotline Miami thing. That's yeah, absolute yeah, no, pinnacles right there. Yeah. yeah. And then, did you want to move on to the stairs of the Sakura stairs. I was going to move yeah. on to the stairs. All right, yeah. yeah. Stairs is great, too. You know, John is trying desperately to get to Sakura Corps before dawn for his Pistols at Dawn duel against the Marquis, whose proxy is Kane. And he's got to fight through all the Marquis' goons, right? Because if he doesn't show up on time, he automatically forfeits and loses. You know, he's trying to buy his way out and get Winston back his hotel and all of his titles and whatnot. The Marquis is playing dirty and sending waves of assassins from all over Paris to stop him from getting Sacre Corps. So you get Chidi, who's uh, the head assassin of the Marquis, mm-hmm. and a bunch of their goons at the top of this 200-something step staircase up to Stock Corps. Yeah. And John is no longer alone. Kane is actually helping him to make it to the rendezvous, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. There's just one moment in that sequence where like, he's pretty much all the way at the top. Yeah. Chidi kicks him, and he like rolls all the way down and like it doesn't cut right like he just keeps rolling the stunt actor is just like rolling and rolling and rolling it's brutal there's some looney tunes shit yeah it's this brutal. is awesome what's really interesting is like if you listen to like chad sahelski talk about this sequence like he talks about like the first time that stunt guy does it he rolled kind of incorrectly and he rolls right into one of the stair poles Oof. really hard and he thought he like really injured himself and he's like oh no i'm good let's go again and that's when he does the take re-rolls all the way down i was like damn that's so badass yeah just the number of insane falls that are in this movie like stunt falls is absolutely bonkers yeah scott atkins killer's death is insane too where he just drops headfirst down like the stairwell mm-hmm. yep and john falling in the club right yeah yeah john falling in the club the guy falling down the escalators during the osaka sequence mm-hmm. some really painful looking falls in this one there are some really brutal ones there's like three or four which maybe yeah. like gasp out loud in a way that like for some reason the, <laughs> like the gunplay and the explosions and people getting their nuts ripped off by a dog and like the falls just like made me cringe they were brutal yeah brutal yeah some of the best falls i've ever seen yeah what's interesting to me is i mean we're moving on from this ending the sequence in a gun duel you would think that it would somehow diminish the pacing diminish the high that you have already no, going, dude, it's up. so good it works so well like yes. just slowing it down and like having the tension of this duel it was such a beautiful way to end this whole sequence it was I awesome really 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 like the gun duel a lot it's yeah. an incredible duel it's an incredible ending to that duel what a great little i don't know twist yeah ending little plan there amazing i just think every movie needs a duel at dawn like a pistols at dawn <laughs> duel now 
every movie would be made better by something like this. Yeah. And I think the way that John Wick wins in this isn't cheap or, like, lame. I think it's pretty cool. It's very cool. Where they play to the Marquis's ego and him having to get, like, the final coup de gras mm-hmm. on John. Kane gives him the pistol, but then Winston's like, you fucking idiot, he didn't fire. And then John shoots him right between the eyes. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfectly in line with all the characters. At the end, I was like, how are they going to resolve the arc between Kane and John Wick? And I thought that was really elegant and perfect. Even to the end, he's helping his friend, even when mm-hmm. they're at odds, you know? That's always one thing I really loved about the John Wick lore, is that they're all assassins. They all get it. They all don't take it personal, right? Yeah, yeah. It kind of reminds me of, you know, the common character. The common right? character, and yeah. too, yeah, which I really like. Do you guys ever want them to bring him back? Or do you common? think they should leave him in, too? Common? He's dead yeah. as shit, I feel. No, the whole thing is he stabs him and he's like, if you pull it out, you're dead. But if you leave it in, you're good, right? Isn't, isn't I don't that think the whole you're thing? good. I think you're good for like, nah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how you can recover from a knife in the aorta. I think you're <laughs> fucking yeah. donezo after that. Nah, common's good. Common's good. <laughs> common's good. I mean, I think in John Wick 2, you're meant to think that that's a mortal wound. I think... By John Wick 4, where the universe has gotten so much less realistic, (laughs) maybe it's reasonable to think that he'd be alive. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. All right. Well, we talked about the last set piece, but I do also want to spotlight some of the stuff. I know we kind of skipped past it, like the Osaka Continental, like we talked about a little bit. It's good stuff. Talking about the Donnie Yen character, I think he gets a really cool action set piece in like the kitchen. Yeah, that motion detectors. Yeah, Yeah. excellent. Yeah. That's the highlight of the Osaka shit. Yeah. Sets up these, like, motion detectors. He's like Matt Murdock or some shit. He's definitely got, like, extra sensory stuff. It's all heightened reality. It's really fucking funny. You know, if someone passes by, it, like, does this kind of almost doorbell ding-dong thing. Yeah, it goes ding-dong and then he domes him. It's really great. (laughs) Really cool action set piece. I love just the little bit of Akira stabbing that dude. On the escalator, yeah. Yeah, where he's, like, trying to climb the yeah the stairs. It's so funny, and I thought that was really great. I love what John Wick has established. It didn't establish in this one. It basically kind of establishes in the last one. The idea that even the gunshots at a distance, they're blows. They're, like, punches. Mm. Of the way, like, those guys wear the armor. They're armored up, in a sense, that a lot of times when he shoots them in the chest... They get knocked back, but you know they're okay because they have armor on, but he uses them like punches, which in a really creative way. So I, yeah, it's, I it's really like appreciate Fu, you know? So my problem with this is that I thought we kind of saw a cooler version of fighting armored elite goons at the end of three. Yes. And then now yeah. we're kind of just redoing it at the beginning of four in a way that's not as cool, right? Because in three, yeah. they're like, oh shit, like these guys are super armored. We need shotguns, probably we the helmets up and yeah. like shoot them directly like under the chin or whatever. You see the tactics change in a really, really cool way. And it's such a surprise in three. Yeah, right? it's so cool. Mm-hmm. And then they don't carry that through in this one. Like in this one, it's like sometimes the armor's there and sometimes these dudes are getting killed by like arrows. And you're like, all right, wait, which one is it? Is this completely like yeah. bulletproof super armor or – is it just there for show? And so that, yeah, that's not consistent. I agree with that. Because they did such a good job with it in the third one. Mm. Right? I so agree. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree with that. This didn't feel as good as far as the armored mm-hmm. dudes. Um, at least at first. I think the last sequence with them, well, with the nunchucks, is amazing. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Forgot about the nunchucks. The nunchucks are awesome. And very consistent because in that fight, he's got to yeah. like pry people's helmets up to shoot them like under the jaw or whatever. Like, yeah. He's back to his old tricks. You're like, all right, cool. Like This is consistent. But some of the earlier stuff, you're like, uh. It felt consistent with John, the way John was treating it. He would always like try to shoot them in the chin or in the neck, right? In that weak spot. But you're right. The whole stuff with the arrows, that was a little off-putting when like, I guess they're armor piercing arrows. I don't know. <laughs> More than bullets? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I agree with you. I thought about that too. I was like, man, these guys are so threatening in three and they're just kind of like chumps in this one. Kind of chumps. And like the time span wasn't that big of a jump, right? If you think about it. Yeah. Between three and four. So I even think the fight between Donnie Yen and Hiro Kisanada, like I think that, yeah, I that was pretty great, cool. Yeah, great, great. I just love Donnie Yen's character so much because he wears his disdain over what he has to do like on his sleeve. You know, eating soup, like the ramen in the kitchen when everyone else is like attacking the Continental and he just doesn't give a fuck. You know, he's like, I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. He's in no rush to actually fight his friend. And then that carries over to the end at the duel, which has one of the best utterances of fuck off I've ever seen in a movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Where he tells the Marquis to fuck off. Yeah. Very much a letter, but not spirit of the law character. Like he's, he's being blackmailed into serving. And he's clearly unhappy about it, and he's going to do whatever he can to to try and rebel in whatever way he can. Yeah, and he's got some, like, soft, tender moments, too, with John Wick in the church. And I think they really sell that, where they're like, it's just good to sit with a friend. I really bought that. I thought that was really a good moment between the two characters. The rare quiet moment in one of these movies. (laughs) So, what about... Like Keanu Reeves, John Wick himself. Did you guys see this thing about him speaking like 300 words in the whole movie or something? Who cares? Who gives a fuck, man? <laughs> yeah, who I gives a agree. fuck? To reduce his contribution, his role in this movie to just line spoken, when you see how much training he does and how much physical performance he does in this movie is really like a disservice to like the performance, right? I think. Yeah. It's so stupid. It's like watching the fucking movie with your eyes closed. Come on, man. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. But I bring it up to bring up something that I do think is a good point. John Wick has gotten, like, weirder and more, like, taciturn between the movies. Like, his dialogue in one, he's, like, terse, but he's human. I don't know. In this one, Mm. he does come off a little flat at times. In times where I want him to be giving a little more. It's interesting you mentioned this, because I think Chad Stahelski has actually talked about this. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I bought it as him being exhausted. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Just fucking yeah. tired. What did the director say there? The director says, like, at this point, you understand the character of John. Like, he doesn't need to speak as much as he probably did in one. The one, like, mm. you didn't know his character, so a lot of what he was was kind of worn through his speech. The way he kind of described his wife and his relationship with his wife, that's all kind of gone to the wayside. And, you know, this character now speaks more in his actions, but also in Keanu's ability to act with his face. And I think the director trusts more in that now and your understanding of the character. Now, if that doesn't work, that doesn't work. I'm not saying you, but maybe other people also do think that Maybe the character is a little bit different or maybe he should be talking more. That's like a personal choice. But it is interesting that the director has talked about this change in the John Wick character and the way he portrays John Wick. And he feels like he can write less or like even Keanu himself will be like, I don't need to say this stuff. I think I could do this with less words or just with my face, right? I agree with the minimalism of the dialogue. I think it's cool. I think it suits Keanu's strengths as an actor. Mm -hmm. I do think... 
some of the line readings and stuff are a little weird, but it's all good. Uh, that was just something I wanted to touch on, see if you guys noticed any weirdness with the John Wick character himself. But I mean, maybe a not. little bit, but he's too busy yeah. whipping ass. I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so that's one kind of little people counting stuff infographic. How about an infographic that rules instead? Have you guys seen the infographic of how many people he kills in each movie? No. No. All right. I'm going to have to send this to you guys. If someone did a count of how many people he kills in each movie and how. How many times he shot people, how many times he misses, how many hits, how many headshots. It's actually really cool. Wow. That's crazy. There are people out here that are real dedicated fans of this franchise. So <laughs> which movie do you think he murders the most people? <laughs> Ooh. Three? I think three. No, it's got to be four. He kills so many people in four. He does kill a lot of people in that hotel, down the stairs. Oh, I mean, there's that hotel assault with the armored guys, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's got to be four. He kills so many people four. There's an Arc de Triomphe, there's the overhead scene, there's the Osaka scene, and then there's so many people who die at his hands in four. Is it four? I think it's four. What I'm seeing people say 140. I don't see it anywhere official. It's like... I, like, Googled it to try and figure it out. It was, like, ScreenRant.com, so, like, I don't know how legit that is. I don't know. ScreenRant's pretty mm. shady. I don't know. They say but... 140, which actually okay. just narrowly beats... Three? Uh, no, narrowly beats two. He has 128 kills in two. Does he have 128 kills in two? Yeah, he kills a I ton of people in two. I just rewatched two also. He kills a ton of people in two. Only 85 in three, which is more comparable to that first movie where he only kills 77 people. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it sounds like it goes 4231. Oh, he kills a ton of people in the tunnels in two. Yeah. Yeah. He kills yeah. a ton of people mm -hmm, in the tunnels. Mm -hmm. Uh, the tunnels is a bunch of dudes. Don't forget the dudes gangster at the beginning with his bare fists in the car. Yeah, I don't know if they yeah, die, yeah. I guess. Maybe they don't die. I don't know. Dude, he kills a ton of people in two as well. Yeah. Amir, remind me real quick. What was your ranking? I think I go 2413, I think. Oh, I'm 4213. I'm 142. Ooh. Oh, so you still like four quite a lot. It's your second favorite. Oh, I do. I think Jeff's right in assessment that the action is, like, and I've said it, I think the action is the best. And, I mean, these are action movies, right, that are set up to, like, portray this amazing action. But I think one for me, like I've already mentioned, one I think is still my favorite in terms of balance of great action, really cool action that surprised me, and a cool story and lore that I was following along. But four is just, like, it is the best action, so I kind of have to put it up there, you know, above two and three. I, I think for me, two hits the perfect balance between like the expansion of the world and the lore and i the really cool like and stuff too super cool mm -hmm. oh man just the whole sequence of him preparing to assault the party where centino's sister is or whatever that whole sequence of him just preparing to do that is cool as shit they introduce the bulletproof yeah. suits and there's the concierge doing like the wine tasting with all the guns and the knives Ugh, that's something i so miss the sommelier dude yeah that scene rules it's so cool yeah. It, it's such a cool little expansion that. of the lore, and it's, it's just super fun. Super fun. Two's great. Yeah. And then, like, the ending fights in two are pretty good, too. Like, two's good, man. Yeah. Common's fun in this. Like, two's, Lawrence two's real Fishburne. good. Fishburne. I think he has the most fun in two. Yeah. He's the most essential in two, I feel like. I wouldn't mind if his character disappeared or died, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. He didn't really get much to do in this. And, yeah, like, yeah. Just, like, I don't think he's essential, really, to the John Wick story anymore. Nah. He's doing the best. Like, I know he's chewing the fuck out of the scene. He's doing the best acting in these movies. He's so much fun. He's having so much fun. Yeah. I love seeing him in this. 
he fits the tone, I think, uh, really well. Uh, is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up? Yeah, I want to bring up the opposite trajectories of the first John Wick's directors. So every single one of the John Wick movies is directed by Chad Stahelski. But then the first one, it was co-directed by David Leach, who was not credited. And I think Chad Stahelski is just getting better and better with each John Wick movie. But I don't know what David Leach is doing, man. Going from Atomic Blonde to Deadpool 2 to Hobbs and Shaw. And then Bullet Train. Bullet Train's terrible. Bullet Train, I watched it again. I was like, oh, this is not as bad as I thought, but it's not great. Aren't Atomic Blonde and Deadpool 2 pretty fun? I think the last last couple are kind of stinkers, but he started out okay. None of this is John Wick, right? Yeah. It would be interesting to see then Chad Stahelski step out of the John Wick of it all, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, we'd have to see that, too. I think he has a better eye for the action, too. Mm -hmm. I think I enjoy all the stuff he does in all four of these movies. And the escalation is just really clear how he stages all the action. It looks so good, all this stuff. How they incorporate, like, all the little pieces of mythology and the fights. You know, like, the bulletproof suits are, like, a thing in the movies. But then in this one, they're just like, okay, whatever. Just people shooting each other point blank with the suits on and, like, they don't even care. I think it's so funny. Hold the suit in front of their face while they're being shot at. I actually watched a YouTube video of someone trying to make a bulletproof suit in real life. (laughs) And they got pretty close, but I still don't think it's actually possible because when they actually put it on, it looks pretty bad. Nothing Mm. like the suits in the John Wick movies, for sure. Yeah, but that's heightened, right? Yeah, it's heightened. Did you guys catch any of the homages in the movie? The radio station where they're announcing John's bounty in Paris called WUXIA. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. That was cool. I didn't even catch that. That's cool. I guess, like, the heightened reality makes it kind of similar to Wuxia, even though the John Wick movies are not really Wuxia movies. Maybe with guns, I guess. But also, Scott Adkins' character is an homage to Sammo Hung in SPL. Have you guys ever seen SPL Killzone with Donnie Yen? I don't think so. That's the one where, like... He's fighting that guy with a baton. People were sharing the clips from this movie from like decades ago. It was like a viral YouTube video from like 20 years ago or something. But that's a great movie because like Sammo Hung wears the same purple purple burgundy suit or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Scott Atkins having a great time in this movie, by the way. Yeah. Cold teeth in the fat suit. The other reference, like I thought this is what you were going to say, Jeff, with the DJ thing is it's the Warriors. Yeah, the Warriors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Really cool. So you got Lawrence of Arabia, you got the Warriors, you got a video game. Like, yeah, Stahelski's doing it, man. Yeah. Cinephile Stahelski. But this movie looks gorgeous, too, I want to say, last thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking about this, right? How great this looks. The I mean, colors, about the neon. All the action choreography is. But yeah, the colors, the neon. It's just a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Gorgeous movie. Like, that one shot of Keanu in front of the cherry blossom in Osaka, really, really nice shot there. I really, really like that. And then setting the duel and, like, sunrise and everything. Yeah, the sunrise. Everything looks so cool. Really cool cool shots, yeah. Yeah, just colorful. And, like, the neon looks great without being your typical moodiness. It's really, really good. And All right. Well, I think we've spoken our piece about this movie and about the franchise. If there's nothing else, I think that will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find more of your work? 
You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, where I reviewed John Wick Chapter 4. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors. What about you guys? Uh, you can find me in a peaceful retirement for my side hustle as an assassin. <laughs> what about you, Derek? You can find me at the World's OKS Photos and Screen Agents Guild on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our show is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the popular apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get uh, our show out to more people. Yeah, and if you have any questions, comments, suggestions on our episode on John Wick Chapter 4, feel free to shoot us an email. We like getting listener mail. Sometimes we read it out on the pod. And with that, we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.